Well, in 2014, Loren Kreitzer was a poor, unemployed American man living off a disability pension totaling just $250 a week. Kreitzer's left leg had been amputated a couple of years earlier after a serious car crash. With no savings to speak of, Kreitzer really struggled to make ends meet. Often took his family to Costco for dinner. Uh, to eat their $1.50 hot dog and Coke combo meal. Yes, life was pretty tough and there was, there was no relief in sight. Then one day, uh, whilst watching an episode of Antiques Roadshow, uh, Kreitzer noticed someone sell an old Native American blanket for half a million dollars. And it reminded him of an old blanket that he had stored away in a closet for years. An old blanket he'd collected uh, from his grandmother's house when she died. Well, inspired by the program, Kreitzer decided to get the blanket evaluated. Uh, the first antique dealers turned Kreitzer away and, and the others dismissed it as just a run-of-the-mill Mexican blanket. But then uh, one dealer decided to send it off for testing and the results were astonishing. It was shown to be one of the finest and rarest Navajo Indian chief's blankets in the world. Soon afterwards, the blanket was put up for auction. The bids just kept going up and up and up until finally it sold for a record-setting 1.5 million US dollars. Kreitzer recalls, I started hyperventilating because I couldn't believe it. Uh, everything just went limp and I couldn't catch my breath. In the weeks that followed, Kreutzer would telephone the bank over and over again just to listen to the automated message telling him how much he had in his account to remind himself that it wasn't just a dream. A few years earlier, Kreutzer had used the blanket as a catch cloth for a litter of kittens but now its real worth had been discovered and it had changed his life forever. Well, today we return to our sermon series on the book of 1 Peter. And you might remember that the Apostle Peter is writing to Christians living in what is now modern-day Turkey. Now, the time is about 30 years after Christ's resurrection. And just like Loren Kreitzer, these Christians are going through some well, pretty tough times. As we'll see in coming weeks, they're, they're faced with overbearing bosses at work and relational strain at home. Uh, they're being ridiculed by sceptical neighbours and violent persecution is, well, it's looming on the horizon. Yes, these Christians are really up against it. And so it's in this context that Peter now writes to them this letter of encouragement. You might remember that last week we saw Peter assuring these believers of their salvation in Christ. That through Jesus' death and resurrection they have received a place with God in heaven. And now, in the next three verses, uh, Peter wants them to grasp the extraordinary worth of their salvation in Christ. Like the antiques dealer who could see the true value of Christ's blanket... Well, Peter wants these Christians to recognise the priceless treasure that we possess. If you don't already have a Bible open in front of you at 1 Peter chapter 1, can I encourage you to grab one now and turn with me there 
Uh, it's page 1887 of the Church Bibles. It's 1 Peter chapter 1. And today's passage begins with Peter reminding these Christians that their salvation is something that was actually predicted long, long ago. Uh, centuries beforehand, the Holy Spirit had revealed to God's prophets something of his plan to save the world, in particular, that one day he would send a saviour into the world. He uh, revealed to prophets like Moses and David and Isaiah that this coming Messiah would suffer, but that through his sacrifice, uh, well, amazing things would result. The Holy Spirit was, of course, predicting the coming of Jesus Christ, foretelling his death on the cross to save sinners and all the, the glorious events that would follow, like the resurrection and, and the ascension and uh, Pentecost and uh, the spread of the church around the world. Not that the prophets were given all these details. No, no, no. Uh, the information they were given was limited. Yet what they were told left the prophets totally captivated and searching for answers, you know, trying to fill in the blanks. You know, who would this Messiah be and, and when would he come and, and what, what, what would he do? You see, it was thrilling, tantalising news about a salvation these prophets longed to be a part of. Here, read with me from chapter 1, verse 10. Chapter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. So here, Peter is showing these first century Christians that their salvation was something God's Spirit had foretold centuries beforehand through the prophets who longed to know more about it. But despite their diligent searching, the prophets never did have all their questions answered. Why? Well, according to Peter, because that was never God's intention. Rather, their tantalising predictions were ultimately meant to serve people who would come centuries later. People living on the other side of the cross, like these Christians to whom Peter now writes. Uh, people living after Jesus' first coming. People who would hear about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus along with his claims to be the saviour of the world, and who, based on all those centuries of prophecies, would come to the logical conclusion that he was indeed the promised Messiah. Ultimately, you see, the prophets were serving them. I mean, can't you just imagine Isaiah uh, sitting at his desk, you know, 700 years BC, uh, writing as the Holy Spirit guided him. Can't you just imagine him wondering what, what it all meant? You know, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Uh, he shall be called mighty God. Uh, 
He was pierced for our transgressions. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life. Yeah, I mean, can't you just imagine Isaiah just scratching his head and wondering how, how it would all come together? But it wasn't just the prophets who were enthralled by God's plan of salvation. Peter goes on to say that even angels long to look into these things. In other words, even angels love to watch the unfolding drama of God's salvation in history and in the lives of God's people. You know, I guess if, uh, if people finding salvation in Christ was a reality TV show, uh, this is the one that the angels would be addicted to. They're just so in awe at what God has done for undeserving sinners. And Peter points out that meanwhile, meanwhile, the, the, the Holy Spirit, he's still at work. No longer speaking to the prophets of long ago, but now speaking through gospel preachers to, to penetrate the hearts of people with the truth of the gospel. People like those to whom Peter's now writing. Here, read with me this, this final verse, verse 12. Verse 12. It was revealed to them, that is, to the prophets, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. And with that, today's passage ends. Just three short verses, but jam-packed with some extraordinary truths about the gospel of salvation. Truths that were meant to bolster these beleaguered first century Christians as they went through their tough times. And truths that can encourage all of us here today too. Because I'm sure that many of us are also going through tough times at the moment, through trials that can leave us feeling pretty low, hopeless and joyless. And maybe like these Christians, it's your overbearing boss or uh, perhaps that relationship that's turned sour or perhaps the... The ridicule of those around you or the fears of what will come if our religious freedoms as Christians are gradually stripped away. Or maybe it's something else. But whatever it is, our stress and struggles can leave us feeling rather low and can even lead us to consider trading our salvation for some you know, easier way of life. Well, if that's the case for you, friend, then it's time to consider again what it is that you have in Christ. It's time to, to open up the closet and take out your blanket of salvation that's been neatly stored away. And time to consider again the great treasure that it is. 
Not that we'll have to send it away for evaluation, no, no, because Peter's already done that for us right here in these verses, hasn't he? This, this is his salvation evaluation, so to speak. So then let's, let's spend some time now thinking through the amazing truths about our salvation that come out of these three verses. And firstly, firstly, we learn here that God planned our salvation long, long ago. Yes, centuries before the first Easter, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, announced through the prophets God's plan to save us, to save us through a suffering Messiah. It's an extraordinary truth that we should not overlook. The fact is, friend, the fact is when Jesus died in agony on the cross, he undeniably showed his great love for you. But understand this, his love for you wasn't just six hours long. No, for endless ages, you have been on his mind and in his heart. You have been a part of his plan since time immemorial. It's a refrain you'll find in countless Hallmark greeting cards, isn't it? Thinking of you. Thinking of you on your birthday. Uh, thinking of you in your loss. Thinking of you on Valentine's Day. When we love someone, they're in our thoughts and in our plans, right? Well, friend, your salvation reveals that you've always been in God's thoughts and in his heart. He announced it to the prophets centuries ago. He has always loved you. Oh, what a precious gift your salvation is. Secondly, secondly, we see here that the prophets were totally captivated by our salvation. Now, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny because I reckon when we read about the prophets in the Old Testament, there's often part of us that kind of wishes that, that we had what they had. You know, the visions and, and dreams and, and miracles. Okay, maybe not the lion's dens and the giant man-eating fishes or the wicked Queen Jezebel bits. No, not those bits, but the other bits. Yes, we want those, don't we? But here's the thing. We've got it the wrong way round. The fact is, the prophets actually longed to know and have what we know and have have you ever been at a wedding reception um you know when it first starts and and the waiters come around um with the platters you know offering you those little hors d'oeuvres you know while everybody's just sort of getting together and starting to mingle at the beginning of the reception do you, do you know what i'm talking about and uh, they come up to you and, and they they offer you one you, you take it and you eat it and it's like oh Oh, that is so good, so good. And, and, and then they go and walk off, right? And you're like, no, 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 come back, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. 
Because, because you want more. And you might be talking to all of the other wedding guests at the time. But there is really only one thing on your mind. <laughs> Where are those waiters? What are they doing? When, when are they coming back? And you feel like crying out, how long, oh Lord? Is this everyone or is it just me? <laughs> Might have overshared perhaps, I'm not sure. It... Well, long ago, the prophets weren't handed hors d'oeuvres. But they were given a small foretaste of God's great salvation plan. And they were left wanting more. Who, Lord? When, Lord? How long must we wait, Lord? But we, friends, have what they did not. And we don't just know the answers to their questions. We live them. God's plan of salvation has been revealed to us in Jesus you know, in him, it is like we have been offered an endless platter of hors d'oeuvres and, and the rest of the sumptuous wedding banquet along with it. The point is, if the prophets so valued our salvation that was to come, then surely we who actually have it, well, maybe we ought to be sure that we revel in it. Thirdly, thirdly, we learn that the prophets serve us in our salvation. Now, the fact is their message went way beyond their own generation to people well, like us who would come long after them. It means that the, the prophets didn't live in vain because through their prophecies we can now be assured that Jesus really is who he claimed to be. We can be sure, friends, that this is no fairy tale. That this is no wishful thinking. No, we can be sure that our salvation is real because it comes with undeniable historical proof, the fulfilment of prophecy. And so that means that even when we go through our various trials of life and are perhaps tempted to give up our faith or tempted to give in to sin, it means we have every reason to stand firm. Why? Because it's all real. It's one reason why I reckon it's so important for us Christians to be regularly reading the Old Testament along with the New. I mean, do you remember what the risen Jesus said about the Old Testament to the two men on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24? He said, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. You see, you see, thanks to all the fulfilled Old Testament prophecies, we never have to doubt 
that the Bible really is God's word. And that can give us an unshakable confidence in it. Confidence that helps us to stick with Jesus and, and choosing his ways, even when life's hard. It's another amazing truth that comes from these verses. Uh, fourthly, fourthly, we learn that even the angels are enthralled by our salvation. Now, I want to tell you a little secret about myself, okay? Now, now this is something that I haven't told anybody before today, okay? So, here's the thing, if, if I tell you this, then you have to agree that it just stays amongst ourselves, okay? All right? It just, it's just going to stay here in these four walls, all right? Along with the sermon recording that's going to be posted on the World Wide Web, all right? Just us, and yeah. <clears throat> all right, and here's the, you're not allowed to poke fun at me, all right? Here's the thing, when I started preaching, I don't know, 20-odd years ago, I came across this verse about the angels. And so every time I've preached since then, uh, before I begin, I look out at all of you, and then I imagine a couple of angels standing up the back, leaning forward, craning their necks to try and hear what's being said, eyes wide with anticipation. Now, let's be clear, I don't really see, I don't actually see angels, okay? I imagine them, I imagine them. I also imagine them laughing hysterically at all my jokes, unlike you. <laughs> what can I say? I have a very good imagination. But the point is, the point is, I, I imagine this because I reckon it gives me a right perspective and a sense of the extraordinary privilege that it is for me to stand up here and to preach the gospel of salvation to you. Now, I don't know if angels have blood, but if they do, then friends realise that this gospel of salvation is the thing that gets their blood pumping. For them, it, for them it's what it's all about. It, it, the most important thing in the whole universe. And by God's grace, friends, we have been brought right into the centre of it all through Christ our Saviour. Wow, wow. You know, if we look at our salvation from the perspective of the angels, oh, then surely it ought to get our blood pumping too. Then, fifth and finally, we see here that the Holy Spirit preaches the gospel of salvation into our hearts. Now, think about that. The, the, the very same Spirit who predicted the gospel through the prophets centuries ago, is the very same spirit who then worked through the apostles and who has then worked through all gospel preachers who followed them through the centuries up to and including right here and now in this place today. Think about that. 
As I stand here and preach today, my deep desire is that we will all see our salvation for the wonderful treasure that it is. But it's not just my hope. The Holy Spirit sent from heaven has this very same desire and he is, I trust, working through my words in your heart right now to achieve that end. Don't you think that is just so cool? To think all of history, all of God's plan of salvation has led to this point right here, right now, with the Holy Spirit showing you and showing me the great worth of Jesus in our lives. There is something extraordinary about that, don't you agree? And so I pray that if you don't yet know Jesus as your personal saviour, that you'll respond to his call on your life today. That you'll say, yes, Jesus, I want the great treasure of your salvation. Please come into my life. And make me yours. And if you're already a believer, I pray that God's Spirit will help you see and feel more than ever before the priceless treasure that you have in Jesus. Yes, friends, it's time to treasure our salvation above all things. Because even as we go through the hardships of life, we have every reason to be greatly encouraged. Peter has given us his expert salvation evaluation. He's shown us that we've been part on God's heart and mind for all eternity. That our salvation enthralls prophets and angels, that it's no fairy tale but the clear fulfilment of prophecy, and that God's Spirit has been the force behind it all from start to finish. And so, Christian, do you know what I think? I think it's time to take your blanket of salvation out of the closet. Time to to dust it off. Time to, to revel in, in its comfort and warmth. And time to show the world the great treasure that is yours in Christ. Let's pray. Well, Father, we want to thank you so much for the extraordinary salvation that is ours in Jesus. We're so sorry for the way we so often take it for granted. Please thrill us, Lord, with our salvation, like the prophets of old and like the angels of heaven. Through it, please give us endurance to stick with you no matter what and help us to be so excited by it that we can't help but share Jesus with those around us 
that they too might discover the great treasure found in him. We pray in our glorious Saviour's name. Amen.